Good morning, everybody. Happy Fourth of July weekend. I love your colors. I'm always amazed when people come in here on a holiday. They really spruce them. <laughs> red and green, and today the red, white, and blue are amazing. So great job, everybody, and happy Fourth of July. I've got a story to share with you today, and this is how it goes. There were four people aboard a single-engine plane that ran into some engine trouble when they got up to 10,000 feet. The four people in the plane were the pilot, a boy, the smartest guy in the world, and the Pope. Since there were only three parachutes on the plane, the pilot burst out of the cockpit, grabbed the first parachute, shoved open the hatch, and he jumped out. Immediately, the smartest guy in the world went and he took the next one, put it on his back, and jumped out. That left the Pope and the boy with only one parachute left, and the plane was going down. So the Pope said, in obedience to Christian teaching, I'm giving you the final parachute, my son. The boy looked up at the Pope, and then the boy said, you don't have to worry about Christian teaching today, sir. The smartest guy in the world just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> If there were ever a moment to celebrate And to shoot off fireworks, that would be the moment. I hope that none of you today are going skydiving. I hope Steve Roskamp is not going skydiving today. I hope nobody in this room is doing it because it's dangerous. <laughs> But I will allow you to shoot off fireworks tomorrow. Just be safe. And I hope you have a great holiday weekend. And because it is the holiday weekend, I thought we should talk about something related to it. Maybe like the Independence Day of the Bible. And I thought through the whole Bible and tried to figure out what day in the Bible is most like the American Independence Day. I'm not talking about Independence Day Resurgence, the movie that came out a couple weeks ago. This is not a good movie. Don't go see it. It bombed at the box office. It's about an apocalyptic Independence Day. So I figured, nah, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the original Independence Day, July 4th, 1776, much more serene and peaceful. So in order to recall the events surrounding this day, I looked up a video called Schoolhouse Rock. That's the extent of my American history education, I guess. <laughs> and I looked up the video, and I watched it several times to figure out, okay, what happened around this day to make it so significant? And this is what it said in the video. It said that the colonists were oppressed. The crown was taking away their rights and freedoms. They were taxing them without representing them. At the same time, Enlightenment philosophies of good governance were coming out, and the American colonists felt they could govern themselves better at a more local level if they were free from Great Britain's rule. And there was a lot of reason why things reached a boiling point, but according to the Schoolhouse Rock video, <laughs> the original colonists, their tempers blew, The colonists lit the fuse, and there would be no turning back. Long story short, the British were coming, and between 9 and 10 p.m. on April 18, 1775, Paul Revere lit two lanterns, and he hung them in the steeple of Boston's North Church, and then he scurried off by horseback to warn Sam Adams and John Hancock that the British fleet was leaving Boston Harbor and cruising into the Charles River and was coming for them. And then the battles of Lexington and Concord took place later that day, followed by the Battle of Bunker Hill in June.
But the American Independence Day, July 4th, 1776, did not take place until a whole year later when they wrote, the Second Continental Congress wrote down that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That declaration took place well after the war was underway, and it took place way before the war was ever won and the people were ever free, but it marked a turning point in the history of the American people from which there would be no turning back and things would never be the same. The declaration the oppressors made that their creator had intended for them life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, that declaration changed everything. So if you were to look at the Bible and read from the beginning to the end and try to figure out what day, what event, what moment in the Bible is most like the Declaration of Independence, Independence Day, you could make a lot of different arguments, but I want to argue today that it is most like John chapter 1, the Declaration of Independence that God gives us, and this is an ancient manuscript. It looks a lot like the Declaration of Independence to me, So I figure, this is it. And this is what it says. If you translate that ancient manuscript, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own But his own did not receive him. And then this is the line that reminds me so much of that declaration. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That declaration from God, John chapter 1, is a lot like the declaration we celebrate tomorrow. And wrapped up with the declaration is the day that it signifies, the Independence Day of the Bible, the day when there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, because I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those among whom his favor rests. You see that scene up there? This is a painting of some artist's vision of what that night was like. 
And to me, that reminds me of the fireworks in the sky. The next picture is the fireworks. The reason Christmas Day is the Independence Day of the Bible, and the reason this proclamation that in the beginning is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, the reason that proclamation is the Independence Day of the Bible is because from that point on, things would never be the same, and for our God, there would be no turning back. The road he had put himself on was headed straight through the powder keg of the cross. And the peace would not be established until he walked out of the tomb on Easter Sunday. Leading up to that point of no turning back, things were really bad for God's people. The Jewish people were oppressed by the Roman Empire. They were loaded down with taxes and strict laws. And their freedoms were really taken away from them. And they were mired down in the backwoods of the Roman Empire. And even worse, they were weighed down by feelings of their own sin and guilt and shame. And Caesar and his minions were coming for them. And the evil one was coming for them. And the future looked really grim for them. And they were afraid. But then our God intervened. And he made a definitive declaration from which there would be no turning back. The angels spoke to the Virgin Mary and said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child, and you will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. And that message from the angel was like lighting the two lanterns in the church steeple in Boston because there was a lot of reason to be afraid that night. And the Roman Empire and the evil one himself. And all the forces of darkness were coming for Mary and for Joseph and for God's people. And they would do everything in their power to subvert the rebellion that was underway. But God ensured their safety. And he made the declaration that night in Bethlehem. These people are mine. And I love them. And I have come for them. In the beginning I created them by my word. And now my word has become flesh and dwelt among them. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. And the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest. Glory, glory, hallelujah. The Independence Day of the Bible was a glorious day. It was a reason for celebration and fireworks. And the angels lit up the night sky with the glory of the Lord. Now at the time... Nobody thought that this little tiny baby born in a manger without a home would one day emerge victorious over sin and death. And at the same time, nobody thought that this little tiny colonial force could defeat the British troops. I remember being in high school. It was over 10 years ago. And my teacher took out a chart. It was in American history class. And there was this graph. And she showed us, look, this is how many troops the American people had. And then below that graph was another bar graph. And it showed how many troops the British had. And the British had way more. And then she said, now look at this graph. This is how much money in the treasury the American people had. It was really little. And then right below that, this is the treasury of the British Empire. This is how much money was available to them at the time when this war was beginning. And she said, if you could go back in time... And you were given a million dollars to put a bet on which side would win. Which side do you think would win? And everybody in the class said, the British 
the American people won. And in a similar vein, you have the Lord Jesus Christ born in a manger, very susceptible to illness and to death and to harm. He didn't even have a place to live, and he was very poor. And then you had a mighty Roman Empire that stretched across the entire Western world. And if you were given a million dollars and you could go back to the first century, where would you invest your money? I think that the Roman Empire is going to outlast this movement started by the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody in their right mind would put their money with the Roman Empire. But what happened? What happened is the little baby subverted the Roman Empire and grew up to lead a movement that would take people's allegiance away from their political leaders, their ultimate allegiance, and turn it towards the Lord. John Ortberg tells this little line that I love. He says, Isn't it amazing that these days people name their children Peter and Paul, and they name their dogs Caesar and Nero? (laughs) This is a direct result of what God has done through his son Jesus Christ. And on that day when that declaration was made, the battle was a long way from being won. The road to peace was a difficult path. It went straight through Calvary. And the life that God promised was not established in its entirety until Easter Sunday. But on Christmas Day, and with that declaration that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and we've beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, with that declaration, on that day, the human situation was changed forever. And the promise of freedom and of life had been declared. That is the Christian story. Has anybody ever heard it before? Is that a good story to you? We've heard it so many times, and we hear it and we remember it with joy, but how does it change our lives forever? How does it leave us different people? What does it do for us today? Sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes on July 4th, we take it for granted that we live in this beautiful country. It has a lot of problems, and it's had a lot of problems throughout its history, but it is a beautiful country. It's a great country, and we have freedom and justice here in America. We take it for granted. But I think we take for granted even more the fact that God has established a freedom for us in His Son, Jesus Christ, and He declared it to us right at that time when the calendar switched from A.D. to B.C., that things would never be the same, that God had come to give freedom and life and joy and justice in His kingdom and for His people. Before the Independence Day of the Bible, before the coming of the Lord Jesus, it was like we were living under the reign of a bad king, And we were subjects of those who did not care about us, the forces of darkness and the evil one, and political leaders did not care. And we were subjects of sin and death. And we were powerless in our distress. We could not save ourselves. But then a good king arrived on the scene. And this is what he said, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a future and a hope. When the Lord Jesus finally arrived on the scene, we were able to say what the psalmist said so many years before, that you, God, have delivered me from death. You've delivered my feet from stumbling, that I can walk before you in the light of life. This does not mean 
that our Christian life and walk with the Lord Jesus will be an endless display of fireworks. Has anybody here ever been to a fireworks show that lasted just a moment and it was over? Have you ever been to a parade and you waited all day for the parade and then it came and it went and it was over and you wish it could go on and you could celebrate? And in our lives, we wish we could celebrate all the time with joy and with gratitude in our hearts. But a lot of times, it lasts for a moment. And then we go back to life, which is really hard. And we feel like we're living in colonial times sometimes. We feel like we're living under the thumb of a tyrant. We feel constricted. Sometimes we feel trapped in our old way of life. There are days even after Independence Day when it feels like we're living before Independence Day and we feel very discouraged about the world. Many of you read the papers this week and you heard about what happened in Turkey and in Bangladesh and then this morning, Iraq. You have people murdered in cold blood and you think about their families and what they're going through and you wonder, when is it ever going to stop? And right when you think, maybe the world will become a gentler place, you hear about another tragedy and it eats us up on the inside. Sometimes you can think about what you're going through with your health or with the health of people you love and it hurts and it causes you to worry and to be afraid and you're not living life like you wish you could be living it sometimes around the holiday weekend when you think about the people that you love and you lost and you used to celebrate with them and they're not here to celebrate with you anymore it brings back deep feelings of sorrow and you cry out to god god help where are you you long to celebrate some good news somewhere and it's on those days that God calls us to be still and to know that he is God and to read once more the declaration he has made on our behalf of his love for us, that he has given us independence from tyranny and dependence on him. He is our God and King who loves us and has laid out before us the path of life and he calls us to behold his glory and to reflect that glory to each other and to a hurting world and to worship him and turn around and celebrate the fact that he has declared good news for us and life and liberty and joy that we can find in him. When he made that initial declaration in the Gospel of John, he knew what it would cost him. He knew that there would be no turning back for him, but he also knew that what he was doing would be worth it. He knew that there would be victory one day when the colonists wrote those papers and declared independence. They were hoping for victory one day. But when God wrote to us that declaration in John 1, he knew. He wasn't just hoping. He knew that he was going to come through in victory. He knew that even though he would die on a cross, and even though it would look like he had been defeated, and the promise of John chapter 1 was null, he knew that by submitting to death, he had defeated death, and he knew that he would raise Jesus Christ on the third day and that he would walk out of the tomb and that he would have defeated death forever and achieved peace between us and him and guaranteed a life and a future and a hope, a resurrection hope for all of us. And he did it on the third day. And the reason why we celebrate today in the midst of our struggles and the reason why we step back for a minute and celebrate is because we know that God has overcome the world. And we celebrate the fact that in the midst of our trials, we have beheld his glory. 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your declaration on our behalf. We praise you for declaring that we are yours and you are ours, and we can know you in the person of your Son. We pray that for everybody in this room who feels a sense of sorrow on this holiday weekend, please alleviate the sorrow for a moment and comfort their heart by your Holy Spirit and remind them of how much you love them and how you are there through thick and thin, through the highs and lows of their lives. Lord, for those who need healing and who need hope, please provide it. For those who feel sorrow, please give comfort. And for those who are afraid, please give them courage. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for loving us. We pray all of that in your name. Amen.